going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Stimulated. My name is Luke. I'm your host, and I'm here with a man that I can't even explain in any other way than the coffee god himself. Evan Armstrong, Viking Coffee Company up in Michigan. Dude, I mean, it's there. there's a lot of coffee companies in just the United States alone, not including the world. And mm-hmm. it takes a lot to impress me. And you, uh, I mean, you're a little guy right now doing your thing in terms of, you know, when you look at the grand scheme of things and Evan, man, you have created a phenomenal product. So bravo Thank to you. you, my brother. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. So how are you? I'm good. It's been a hectic week so far, but I mean, that's just because I'm not the best with planning. So I just kind of like book on my schedule. I'm like, yeah, I'll make it work. And oh, no. Like last day. And I'm like, oh, shit, I got to do this, this and this. Right. I remember to do this, but no, it's all good. I love it. Keep, so did we pull you away from anything important to get you on the show today? No, not at all. Okay, I had this cool. planned out, so I knew I had to be here at, at 2.30 ready to roll. So, Good deal. Now you, let me ask you this. Like on a normal day, how many cups no, of coffee do you drink? Might be surprising, but I usually only drink one. Oh, okay. Uh, it's usually a pretty big one, so I mean – my well, it's a big one probably isn't like standard for most people so i think i don't know uh i'm trying to think like the mugs that we had made a couple years ago i think those are like 18 to 20 ounce mugs so that's usually for me one cup so. oh, okay that's a normal that's like me too yeah man. like my i have big mugs i have one big one that says beast on it and then i have another big one that says mm-hmm. hey karma i got a list of people that you missed it's one of my it's one of my uh one of my favorite mugs so i drink the same every day now let me ask you this now is it blasphemous to add creamer to good coffee no okay i don't think so some coffee makers believe that like they'll say if we do we put so much time energy and effort into you know blending these beans and getting the right flavor profiles together that if you add creamer to it you're ruining it and i'm like I don't see, and, and what's funny for me is I like coffee a lot of different ways. I like it cold. I like it yeah. hot. I like it black. I like it with creamer. You know, it just depends on the day and how I'm feeling. Really, I'm not. I'm not a one way coffee kind of guy. Mm-hmm. No, I'm. I'm the same way. I mean, I've talked to, gosh, we've been to several like coffee specific events, and uh, it's kind of interesting, like the the different types of coffee people that you talk to, because like you said, there are some people who like oh don't don't put creamer don't put anything in your coffee it ruins the flavor you're you're not going to get the full you know spectrum of it like right but like you also have to think too like like 80 percent of people who were you know drinking the coffee probably don't really care all too much as you or i about whether or not you can taste the the very finite subtle tasting note of like strawberry when you brew it at this certain temperature on you know when the sun and stars along you know <laughs> not everyone's looking for that Some yeah people just want a good do. cup of coffee right i laugh so hard because at the end of the day like even even with when it comes to like beer like i drink mm-hmm. a lot of stouts and stuff that are coffee infused right and you'll get a you know a brand that'll put something out and they'll be like oh it's got this hazelnut and they'll have all these flavors and i'll drink it and i'll be like yep tastes like coffee and you'll talk to somebody else who, you know, maybe has a different little bit of a different palate than you. And they'll be like, but you didn't taste the peanut butter or you didn't taste the toffee or you didn't. And I'm like, no, dude, I tasted the coffee. 
Like that's it. Like, I mean, I, and I, and I, and I let it go from ice cold to like room temperature. So I let it sit there for a while while I sipped on it and the flavors never change. Sometimes they do. Sometimes you get a really good one where if you Mm -hmm. let it sit to room temperature, it'll hit like, you know, get some different flavor profiles and stuff. But I've actually noticed like, especially with like, there are certain ones, like for instance, the three of yours that I've had so far is morning raid, um, send it and the, and and coffee for all. And Mm -hmm. of those three, I can't, I do not have a distinguishable favorite, but I will say that uh, Coffee for All might have a slight edge and Morning Raid are kind of like mm-hmm. right there next to each other. And then Send It is like they're, I don't, it's like, I don't know, dude. It's like the two, it's like Coffee for All and Morning Raid are like two double D boobs and I'm staring at them and they're beautiful. And then, <laughs> and then Coffee for All is like a, a D, you know, it's like, it's just missing that extra double in the D, but there's still a beautiful set of boobs. So I'm, yeah. <laughs> I really, I don't know how to compare, you know, the, they're so good, but I laugh because I like the first time I tried all of them, I tried them black and I, you know, see the flavor profiles and really enjoyed them. And then I added creamer. And I'll tell you what, man, some of them, the creamer like adds, like it actually brings yeah. out more flavor notes and stuff. And I'm like, dude, like you got it. You just got to drink coffee the way you drink coffee. So mm-hmm. I did not come on here to break, you know, to, to just literally talk like super, super coffee the whole time. We want to get to know you. We want to find out, you know, how you tick, where you're originally from, what, uh, and what kind of got you, got you into the coffee business. So tell us a little bit about growing up, man. Where'd you grow up? How was, what was your family life like? And you know, what, uh, what do you think was your early, got you, you know, that entrepreneurial bite in your early years? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess quick rundown, like I've lived, gosh, old am I? 28. Yeah. So I've, I've lived 26 of those years in Ohio. Okay. And we kind of, I think we've moved around a couple times. They don't really remember like the first place we lived in Ohio, but it's always been a real small town where we lived in. So a place called Wilshire, Ohio, lived there for a couple of years. Don't really remember it. Uh, then we moved think maybe 30 minutes up the road away to a place called Convoy, Ohio, really small town right on the Indiana Ohio border. And gosh, I spent probably four or five years there growing up as a kid. I loved it. I mean, you know, as, as a little kid, you don't really get too much outside of your, your parents' house and, and property. So right, that's kind of your world. And, you know, I kind of, I just remember, this is one thing that that I was really obsessed with when I was younger. So there was a, a restaurant in this town of Convoy. I can't remember the name of it, but I know my favorite thing to get there. They had these tater tots, but they were shaped like footballs. Cool. And every Thursday night, uh, my family and I would go out. We'd always like go out to eat, like go out to eat every Thursday night. And we did mm-hmm. that for like, gosh, up until maybe I was like a teenager, maybe. And... <clears throat> The restaurant there, there was a guy who would always come around. He was he was a magician, and like every Thursday he'd be there. He'd always like just do some kind of like fucking cool trick or some shit like that. And it would just mm-hmm. like you know, I was a little kid, it just blow your fucking mind. You're like, oh, yeah, shit, yeah, how to do that? <laughs> and thing, and then, like this thought still sticks with me today. So I remember, and I don't know if this was like a dream. Like I legit cannot remember if this was real life or if it was a dream. Right. But I can remember coming home from that restaurant and I would get like a quarter or a coin or something and I would put it under a cup and it would be like sitting like on the counter and then there would be a drawer like directly underneath it. 
And I put the coin under the cup and I remember I'd like smack down on like the counter. Then I'd lift up the cup, the coin would be gone. I'd be like, the fuck? And I like, you open the door and the coin was. I'm like, I don't, I, like, I still don't know if that was like uh, a dream or if that was real. I, you know, because you're so young. But right. that thought is like always stuck with me. I'm like, well, if I am, if I'm still remembering that from that age, and I can remember it specifically standing in the kitchen in my parents' house in Conway, Ohio. I can remember exactly what it looks like. And I'm like, well, if I'm still remembering that, I'm still thinking about that. Like, why am I not like, you know, I guess that's the first kind of thing that kind of made me realize, like, if I, you know, kind of think it into existence or if I think about it continually, it's like probably going to happen. It's probably true. Right. And I guess that was like the first little thing. Granted, I didn't really connect that to entrepreneurship, but that's just something that's always stuck with me. And I feel like, you know, the whole like vision, visionary or envisioning what you want. Absolutely. Manifesting. That's just yeah. something that yeah. stuck with me. Yep. Um, yeah. Pretty much grew up in Ohio. The only one time we moved out, uh, my dad's job took him to Kentucky. So we all moved down there. And then a year later, I honestly can't remember what happened. I think the plant that he worked for ended up moving to Mexico. So then we just moved back up into Ohio um, where I'd spent majority, large majority of my life, which was a place called uh, Castillo, Ohio, really small town. Every time I tell someone, you know, Oh yeah, that's where I'm from. They're like, where the hell's that at? I'm like, Oh, <laughs> exactly. you know where Cedar point is? And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Cedar point, the amusement park. I'm like, yeah, we're just like South of there. People are like, Oh, okay. So like that's kind of how I tell people because of that. that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm so like, oh, where are you from? Like, you know, you know where Cedar Point is? We're like, we're, well, we're in the area. So yeah. <laughs> I can hear the roller coaster from my bedroom. Let's how about that? Yeah, <laughs> it's been a few years since I've been back there. Yeah. The place is fun when you go on like a chill day, not not jam-packed day. But right. You know. But yeah, growing up, I mean, I didn't have any siblings. Uh, I was kind of, I don't, I don't know. It was, very much a, a good childhood growing up there's nothing cool. i don't really think there's really any kind of adversity or anything that i that experiences honestly it's just pretty average i guess i mean you know oh, that's hey nothing wrong with that yeah it's great to have a good childhood and good parents that took care of you and mm-hmm. have that you know solid upbringing because you know to me i mean it, that's something that you're gonna pass on to your kids you know and you're in your future and you're gonna be you mm-hmm. know this you'll have that same stability in your life, which is a good thing. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Not everybody has to have a bang up childhood to become mm-hmm. something. You know what I mean? It's that's a, uh, you've already, you've already proven that by this, how far you've come already. And, you know, such a short period of time. So the, uh, so tell me, what did your, you talked about your dad, like working at plants, like what'd your dad do? Yeah. So yeah, he was a safety, he was an engineer. I knew that. Um, I think he primarily dealt with like, safety like in the in the plant essentially so gotcha. like he would put together systems um for protocols or whatever just to you know keep people safe functioning around like you know working with machinery mm-hmm. and you know all the different uh, conveyor belts and systems and everything going on in the plant pretty much but right he had initially and i think this is kind of what other than the dukes of hazard got me started in an obsessed with cars uh is he worked for huffing mattel so like you know bikes oh, power wheels yeah. all that shit and like one of my other memories from childhood was when we still lived this was either either in ohio or kentucky i can't remember but we went to the plant and they had like a little like test 
facility where they literally had any and every power wheels ever, whether it was released or not. Wow. So like some of them weren't released. And, you know, you have a bunch of people working there, a bunch of guys specifically working there, you know, kind of goof around and you find ways to like hook several batteries up into a power wheel oh, yeah. go fast as fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and you're like four or five year old kid shit's fun so i just Hell yeah. distinctly remember like getting in like this like power wheels like dune buggy with like seven batteries hooked up to it and just like ripping around this like concrete like holy crap, crap. that's <laughs> so crazy <laughs> yeah have you ever seen i think it's i think it carrie hart puts a bunch of videos out there of uh you know pink's husband their their little kid their little boy they took mm-hmm. a mustang and put like 36 volts in it and the kids like learn how to drift it. This kid is like drifting. They have videos of him, <laughs> dude, going up and down their street, ripping it and doing donuts. And I mean, full on, like throwing this thing into like sideways drifts. Like yeah. they hooked up a handbrake in it and everything. And I was like, dude, that's incredible. Like really crazy. So yeah, I've seen some funky stuff they do with those power wheels, man. That's that'll be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, dude. It's so it's, it's just like now, like when I see uh, people who've like gone in like taking power wheels but then modified them to put like a two-stroke in two-stroke in yeah or something. <laughs> that's uh, crazy strangely enough one of my one of my customers for the longest time he was like working on it. he was showing him like build out like the axles and like the steering system and mm-hmm. like i haven't seen him post about it in a minute but i'm like dude i wanted i want to build one of those so bad <laughs> oh yeah dude that's like i mean I can't even imagine. I mean, I remember I had a buddy of mine that uh, they used to run a campground in Jersey and Mm -hmm. he had for a long time, they had electric, electric uh, golf carts. Right. And they're slow as dog shit. I mean, you you get in there and it goes, I think it goes like 15 miles an hour. Like that's it. So he, him and his buddy got the idea that they were going to, they messed around and somehow they took two eight horsepower Briggs and Stratton motors from, from, uh, from lawnmowers and they powered figured out a way to power to use one to power each wheel now mind oh. you this was direct drive there was no transmission yeah. it was a pull of a cable on the pedal and that was it and dude those things that was the fastest golf cart i ever seen in my life <laughs> they must have had that thing up to like 75 80 miles an hour it was insane so that how fast they, and they were jumping it all over the campground and stuff i was like dude that's literally the craziest thing that i've ever seen but it's that's the kind of stuff that I love like to mess around with too. Cause you know, I, I, I'm, I definitely have a, a heart for cars. I had a hot rod shop for a few years and mm-hmm. that's always been tinkering has always been my thing. Like I've, I've uh, I don't have a hot rod at the moment, but I have a little 2019 Jeep Renegade and it's mm-hmm. got in, intake exhaust tune. You know, I mean, I couldn't leave it. I couldn't leave it alone. I did as much to it as I could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel you, man. I'm in the same way. I still have my old, uh, First vehicle I ever had to Dakota. It's complete rust, rusty shit box right now. But right, oh dude, I I love that thing. You put bigger tires on it, put a little like uh, lift block just to kind of level it out. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, what the hell else did we do to it? I did a bunch of stuff to it in high school. I just can't remember it, but no, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I love working on it, like just changing it up a little bit. Hell yeah! Is that your daily now? You still driving? Uh, no. Well, it was, and then. You're up here in Michigan doesn't have a whole lot of they do have paved roads, but there's a lot of dirt roads too. Right. Because it's so rusty, we ended up uh blowing a shackle off of the uh oh, <laughs> the no. rear leaf spring on it. So like yeah, we only got three points of contact now. So I'm like, eh, maybe, maybe not drive it. <laughs> right. So you did you get another truck? Uh no, I still have it. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that thing like like I don't yeah. care like until if, the know. until the end of the earth. Oh yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah. My goal in the next like two three years, I want to be able to do a complete frame off restoration of it, make it brand new. Cool. There you go. I love it. So yeah, that's awesome. So what? So taking you there, I and mean, here we are. We're in Convoy, you know, Ohio. You yeah. Know, dad's working in plants. Dad's doing you know safety protocols and stuff like that. Like what? first of all what was the first sense of of yourself where you decided or you started you know making having the mindset that you wanted to do something on your own that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and Mm -hmm. the secondary piece to that question is how coffee how did that come about yeah so both those things don't don't think really took shape in me or even was a thought in my brain until like much later in my life like Mm-hmm. I'd say within the last 10 years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, ever since I was like 17, 18, 19, I've always thought about wanting to own my own business. Like I, I knew I wanted, that's something that I thought would be really fun. I'd want to do it. Um, but I just never knew what in. Uh, and, you know, there are a couple of times in my life where I have thought about it. Um, th- I think the first thing that I, I considered was my own gym, but you know, 18, 19 year old kind of like look and figure out, Oh shit. Like that costs a lot. You're not really too much um, into entrepreneurship or personal development. Right. Much, you know, you're, you're 18, 19, right? Yeah. Uh, you're not, not, not the sharpest brand on the box, so <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. but yeah. Jim was like the first thing I, I ever wanted. I'm like, you know, it'd be fun to own my own gym someday. And that's been a thought still is a thought still working my way there um but yeah uh, as i got a little bit older probably into my early 20s i started to realize more and more i'm like you know hey, if you truly want to do your own business run it like your your time's coming like you need to like decide to do this now or right. figure out how to do that when you have a shit ton more responsibility mm-hmm. and the the one thing that kind of tilted me into entrepreneurship strangely enough was a college class so wow to me it's kind of funny that it came from a college <laughs> class yeah but also when i learned more about the guy who started the class i kind of realized like okay he's actually he's actually one of the good people he under he gets it right he gets right. entrepreneurship gotcha. and his name's gene poor and he owns a company it's going to bug the shit on me because i can't remember it but Gosh, what is it? I'm gonna look it up here because it's it's gonna drive you crazy. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, you said his name is Gene Poor because my stepdad, his name is Dale Poor. <laughs> really? Huh. Yeah, and I've never heard anybody else with the last name Poor before. <laughs> That's wild. So, all right, he uh, life formations. Okay. First thing that's popping up. But essentially what it is, so like all of like the cool like animatronic shit that you see in like Disneyland, like all oh, the amusement parks shit. and like he movies. Makes all that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he makes all that. Oh, that's awesome. Like, all of like big like stuff that you that you've seen in like the past like well, I guess it's three decades now, I think since the yeah. mid nineties. He's made all that shit for like movies, theme parks. His biggest client has been Disney, biggest and longest client has been Disney. But yeah, he makes all that shit. That's and badass. he started a, a program called uh, VCT at BGSU. And that, that was um, just like 
graphic design, video stuff, um, audio stuff. He started it. And I think the last five years, so I took that class 2015. So I think somewhere around 20, 2010, 2011, he started the, this entrepreneurship minor at BG. And he and one of his business partners, who's not even a professor at the university, but he is just for the, this small little like minor thing are, are the right. two professors you get. And he broke it down like real easy. Um, he said like, if you want to go into business, make money. He's like, this is, this is pretty much all it is. He's just like, you just need to figure out, okay, what do you need? How much is it going to cost? And how much do you need to sell to make profit so you can buy more and then repeat it? He's like, that's literally all it is. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like he broke it down in real simple math. I'm like, okay, that's, you know, like, it's like. Um, Makes uh, sense, what, yeah. Yeah, what Sean Whelan says all the time. Like, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at mm -hmm. a time. He, he broke it down in that simple language. And the more we took that class, the more he took, the more he talked about, you know, what, you know, his company's done, how he accomplished what he did. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, this sounds a lot of fun. Oh, so, yeah. And then uh, that following uh, semester, I guess, because I went straight from that to grad school, I I just like, all right, I'm going to do it and start. So I just downloaded a free trial of Photoshop and kind of built out my first logo. It's still real simple like we're on video here but the, the logo yeah. that's on the snap that's yep. the first one i ever made um that's awesome. i just started doing it mm -hmm. and how i kind of came into coffee is i wanted to you know i was getting into coffee i wanted good coffee good coffee isn't cheap so i found an alternative you know just kind of like searching on the on the google machine um found out you could roast green coffee beans in a cast iron skillet so without really doing too much research in that ordered about 10 pounds of it and got them turned the burner like maxed it out put a skillet on the burner and got let it heat up and then just dumped like handful of coffee beans on it and just started doing it like turning them like i'm like i don't really know what i'm doing but fuck i figured it out and then it's i ended up smoking out the whole apartment yeah Roommates were pissed at me. <laughs> Did it about, you know, 15 more times before I got something that was drinkable. And yeah, it was just something I kept practicing that. And I did that all just, you know, kind of for myself. So this is, this is before um, I ever, I ever took that inch down entrepreneurship course. Right. And when that course kind of came around, I'm like, you know, I, I like roasted coffee. It's kind of funny, you know, and I'm like, you know what, I think I'll do coffee. And that's kind of, I just kind of did it as a hobby. That's kind of how it right. started. And then the past three years, 2019 is really when I started taking it, started to take it serious. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, dude. And that, I think the beauty of, you know, entrepreneurship in general is a lot of us take things that are mm -hmm. hobbies, you know, and things that we enjoy and we turn them into, you know, businesses. I think uh, Ed, I think is one of the, I think he made a quote, if I'm not mistaken, you know, a while back, you know, you, uh, you know, turn your passion into turn your, I think I forget the way he put it, but it was like, you know, turn your mm -hmm. passion into your moneymaker or whatever, essentially. And I look back at like automotive, you know, like for me, like the, I genuinely believe that if I was a better businessman at the time that I had my shop, that I would still have it because I never mm -hmm. lost the joy for hot rods and automotive and all that stuff. I just ran my business into the ground because I didn't know how to manage money properly. 
You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, it was my own mistakes, you know, that, that caused me to have to shut my business down. And I also had a partner that wasn't very forthcoming and caused me some issues as well. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, that was, you know, I really look at that and go and think that, you know, had, had I been better or even just taken more time to learn more entrepreneurial and business skills, I probably would be doing the same thing. Cause I still love it. I mean, I wake up every day and probably one of the first things I do when I roll on the computer is go check out my subscriptions on YouTube of all the new car videos that are up and stuff and all the Hoonigan mm-hmm. stuff and those crazy guys. And dude, I, I enjoy all that crap. And yeah. that's why now, you know, I'm looking at like beer, you know, beer is my, is my hobby and something I really enjoy. So that's, you know, opening a brewery has always been a uh, kind of in the back of my mind, at least for the last like five to 10 years. And that's why mm-hmm. that's, uh, you know, on the radar for sure. So the, um, so I find that's definitely cool. And so when in 2019 is when you took it, when you really started making money with it and what do you, I mean, so far, what have you met exceeded or fallen short of your d- initial expectations? Man, I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I feel like I'm always going to feel like I'm falling short of my expectations. Well, that's just right. because you're relentless. Yeah. But at the end of the day, let's talk yeah. about the real on paper. Like if you were to yeah. write down what your goals were, where are you right now? Have you exceeded them? Yeah. So yeah. I wish I would have, I had a, I had a notebook with my goals. I had, I had goals written down in, in 2019. Mm-hmm. I wish I brought it with me because I could look at them, but I know one, one that I have not exceeded yet is, um, gosh, what was it? It was 150K in a year. Revenue. Okay. I've not okay. exceeded that. So we're still real small. Okay. Um, we're getting there. The one that I have exceeded though, um, was I put down a, an American made roaster. Cause at the time I didn't, I didn't know I wanted to go with the brand that I did. I just want, I just knew I wanted one that was made in America. Absolutely. And I had uh, American made roaster purchased by 20, I think it was like 2021 or 2022 or something in there. And you did, I did that last year. Beautiful. <laughs> Fantastic. And what does that cost? I mean, what's the cost of a roaster? Is that like 20 grand? Yeah. Yeah. For the yeah. one that we have and we have, um, let's see, they've got one, two, three, four, they have five different size models. So mm-hmm. they have like a, a one kilo roaster. Uh, well, they're doing them all in pounds because you know America, right? Yeah. Um, America. So two, yeah. Mm-hmm. Two pound roaster, uh, a 6.6 pound roaster. A 10 pound, 25 pound, and then the big boy 75 pound roaster. Okay. So which one do you have? I've got the six pound roaster, and that's yeah, about 20k. Okay. And and is that enough for you right now for what you need? Yeah, we're I mean, we're starting to get to the point where I'm like, I'm in here a lot more than just like four, four hours a day roasting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's gas, it, it handles it, and it does infinitely better than the little 2.2-pound uh, electric one that I have sitting over here next to me. Okay, that cool. one, I was, it didn't matter if I had, you know, 10 pounds to roast or 20 pounds to roast. I was going to be in the shop a long time roasting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, I mean, it kicks ass for us. And kind of give people an idea on prices of roasters. So the American-made ones, you're going to pay – fucking premium for yeah i can go and get the same i could actually take the same amount of money that i've spent with this roaster i could take that money and go to china and get one that's uh 
that's a um, gosh, like a 30 pound roaster for like the same cost. Wow. Just because it's like infinitely cheaper. Or I could have like saved a shit ton of money and gotten the same size roaster for like five grand. But I'm like, I want an American made one. I want, Absolutely. you know, if something goes wrong with it, I want to be able to call them, get a hold of them yeah. the same day and get yeah. a part the next day if I need it. Absolutely. So like that shit's important to me. I agree. Um, oh yeah. I agree. Gosh. What, a, what other things have I exceeded in or No, I hired an employee last year. Yeah. Like, I didn't think I didn't think I was gonna be able to hire an employee um at least for like five more years. Right. I did it a year after I'd written that down. Dude, that's awesome. And is it a full time person or someone helps you out part time? Uh, he he is part time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean he is moving he's I mean he already treats kind of like full-time I mean right. he's we moved I hired in Ohio we moved up here to Traverse City Michigan he's moving up here uh 29th of June so he's awesome. bought in which yeah. that also I guess is another like expectation like expectation like kind of blown that blows my mind right is like I'm like dude I'm like like we're, we're not making that much money like we're still small yeah like, we're doing all this shit like it's inefficient as fuck and I'm like but you're willing to move five hours away from somewhere you just moved in 2020. Right. Like to follow you I'm and like, be part of what you yeah. believe in. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And I'm like, and I'm like that blows my mind. And it's like, and, and every day for me, I always get proved it wrong. So I'm like, I'm always thinking, cause like the first day in my, like one of my first thoughts in the morning is okay. Like what do I need to do to make sure I'm moving this in the right direction so I can be able to pay him so he can have fun up here. Right. And, and that's always counteracted by like, well, fuck, like, what if he's, you know, what, what if he's losing faith in me? Like, what if he's right. going to like text me or call me tomorrow and be like, Hey man, like I'm done. Like I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And like every day I get on, he's like, dude, yeah, let's do this. What? And I'll ask him, you know, Hey, what do you think about this? What can we do here? And he's like, Oh, this, this, and this, or, you know, yeah, that's a good idea. Or I'll tell him, you know, Hey, when, when you get moved in up here, you know, I'm going to have you start shadowing me when I roast. Uh, when I go and meet people and introduce people, introduce us, perfect. Like our brand them, and like he's excited about it. That's awesome. And it's just like I kind of get this little like bit of relief, and then like an hour later, pressure's back on. Like, all right, okay, like I need to make sure I'm doing you know the right thing, steering it in the right direction, so I can figure out. Absolutely, and you know the the beauty of that is is that as an entrepreneur and as someone who is relentless at what they do, we the one of the number one things that we think about is our people. And making sure that we can take care of them, making sure we can provide for them, and I think that's something unique in a lot of. And I don't, and I don't want to, you know, make this just an, an RTA thing because I don't think that's a, a fair assessment. But what's something that I've definitely seen in a lot of people from RTA is that we we all have that same mindset where employees are assets; they're not liabilities. They're not, you know, you look at a lot of companies today and they treat employees like liabilities. They treat employees like. Uh, we, they can be replaced, you know, tomorrow. And at the end of the day, man, you can, mm-hmm. there, there is no replacement for the time, the energy, the training, you know, the, the truth be told, the love that you put into building a relationship with somebody like that, that is truly bought in and loves your brand and wants to be a part of it. And, you know, replacing someone like that is hard. Like that's not an easy mm-hmm. thing to do. You couldn't find somebody tomorrow that would be as bought in no. as, excited about being part of your team already and i think that's you know the beauty of 
of having the right mindset as an entrepreneur is that you are concerned about your team and you want to make sure mm -hmm. that even though your team right now is only one person, that's okay. That one person, you, you know, there's probably been times when you've lost sleep because you wake up and you're like, oh man, I got to make sure that I have this to take care of, you know, so-and-so, I got to make sure that, you know, that I can do this. And it's, that's, dude, that's a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? I mean, mm -hmm. that just shows, that just shows your heart and the kind of person you are and what you, in essence, you know, where you're going and what you really want to build. So yeah, let me ask you this as a, from, obviously you're still growing, you still have a lot more to go. I mean, we've talked about the future and we're going to get into that in a little bit, but <clears throat> when was that moment for you? when be it a customer response be it a you know a review like whatever the case may be when was that moment when somebody said something to you in regards to your business and your coffee and you kind of went you kind of like read it or heard it and went damn i'm doing it mm -hmm. man i would say probably probably recently probably like the last month or so to be completely honest because like granted i've read reviews and, and stuff from like our customers and, and people's messages and you know i read it i love it i appreciate that that you know drives me to continue to to do what we do but you know it's like i am <laughs> i kind of figured it out you know you know the old saying like you are the average of like the five people you hang around with right right and I kind of figured that out when I had, had first started because that was just drilled in my head through, strangely enough, Gene Poor, same mm -hmm. entrepreneurship guy. And whether I had believed it or not at the time, when I was in strength and conditioning, like, I'm like, okay, like, I want to be like these people. So I'm just going to hang around with these people. Like, I literally just stopped hanging out with anyone outside of, of strength and conditioning or outside of athletics because, right. like, you are not who I want to be and that carried with me like when I got done with that and started taking bike coffee seriously I only people I hung around was like you know my my former boss and at the time was still head strength coach at BG and I just hung around him and you know that you know his assistant and outside of that and, and my girlfriend at the time Marissa who's now my fiance like mm -hmm. really no one else I hung around with it was just me and <clears throat> so like I never really kind of got any kind of you know confirmation from anyone that you know hey like you're you're doing it right. so I just been like all right head down like just keep working keep working keep working keep working and we were at a um a local kind of like entrepreneur like meetup kind of you know thing like we all go there mm -hmm. I don't want to say like a BNI because this isn't a BNI this is actually a mm -hmm. lot more constructive than most BNIs that I've been to um is we were going around we were writing down problems that we were all having i think there's probably like 14 people here like all problems that we're trying to solve in our business and right. flipboard got back to the person posting it and he took you know the most common themes that everyone wrote down kind of categorized them put them into groups and we all kind of split up into groups and then went and kind of tried to help each other essentially mm -hmm. we did that and then we all came back together as one big group, kind of like just did a recap as a big group called a discussion and did all that. And then at the very end, it was kind of just like, all right, broken up like social hour, almost like everyone could go talk to everyone individually or whatever. And 
like I never really noticed it. I mean, I did because like a ton of people came over towards me, but like a ton, of, like everyone, like seven people came over, like start talking to us, like because my fiance was with me. They're just like talking, like asking us questions, like you know, hey, what do you think about this? Or you know, hey, you mentioned you were doing this and this, like why were you doing that? Like I want to know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, I don't think anything of it. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, you know, how can I help these people? Or what what are they saying that I could potentially use that would help me? And we left and my fiance goes, she's like, you know, she's like, you're doing it. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you're doing it. Like all of those people believe in you. She's like, that's why. She's like, if you didn't notice, like, it's like, that's why all of those people came up and talked to you. She's like, you didn't go anywhere. They came up and talked to you. I'm like, yeah, but I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I'm just thinking like, fuck, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they're picking to come to me. I'm like, but I guess I was kind of, kind of, I guess kind of confirmed me. And this was literally this week. That's like, okay, like I'm kind of, I'm headed in the right direction. I think. Absolutely. dude. That's beautiful. And that's like, that's one of those situations where like you will never uh, understand the depth of what you of what you bring to the table for other people none of us will because at the end of the day mm-hmm. we don't we don't always know who's listening you know what i mean and, yeah. and what, so what's really cool to see stuff like that where you kind of come together in a situation like that and you have the ability to exchange you know thoughts and ideas with people and to have them kind of gravitate towards you because you're exuding something now whether either whether they know about your business or not you exuded confidence while you were mm-hmm. there and that confidence you exuded is what brought them towards you so whether they know about viking coffee company or not in the essence of whether they're customers or they've heard you talk about it before or whatnot they see how you acted and how you what the attitude that you brought to that mm-hmm. that group when you were there and that's what that's what gravity that's what those people gravitated to you for yeah you know what i mean and that's the that's awesome because that tells me i mean one you're excited about your brand two you believe in your brand and three there's nothing that anybody can do that can sway you from that, that right now you are focused and you're on your journey and you're going to make it happen. And that's, you know, and when I say make it happen, you're already making it happen. You're just going to keep making it happen until, you know, Viking coffee company ends up being like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts is house brand. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like- <laughs> yeah. And like, and dude, just kind of like, I don't, I don't know, I'll just provide another side of the context to it. Cause like the whole time that I was there, like, I'm more of an introvert, so Mm -hmm. I'm not always, you know, keen to like be the first person to like speak up and talk. Right. And when I do talk, I'm always make sure that like, I'm not trying to ramble too much. I'm trying to make sure that the points I'm hitting on are like, you know, of value or useful. And the whole time I talk, talked there, you know, was explaining something. There's always like thought back in my head because I always look, I always look at people. And I always try to like see the, like, the expressions on their face. And the thought, first thought that always comes back to my head, I, and I have a feeling this is going to be like this for, for fucking ever, just because it's how right. I think. Mm-hmm. It's just like, are these people getting bored with what I'm saying? Or are they right. not interested? Mm-hmm. It's like the first thing that comes to my head every time. You know what the truth is? that this, The simple fact of the easiest way to determine whether people are bored with what you're saying or they're listening to you is if they walk away. You know what I mean? If they don't walk away and they stand there and they continue to engage with you, you know, there are very few people that are that kind that will just listen to somebody talking bullshit 
that they don't believe in and stand there. Most people will just be like, especially if it's in a group setting, they'll find a way to, to scoot away or get out of that conversation. So if you can keep people's attention, dude, you're doing it. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. and you're, you know, they're, what you're saying has value. What you're saying is believable. What you're saying is actually bringing, you know, something to the table that's adding to what they're, to something that they were looking for. And I think that's, you know, I mean, that's something that I don't do enough of down here. Like in Florida, I know we have, you know, places like that where they get together and have entrepreneurs meetings and, you know, they mm-hmm. like local entrepreneurs can come together and they do, uh, you know, I want to call it, what is it? The uh, like chamber of commerce stuff and things like that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's, I've done a couple like years ago, like when I did have like my shop and it kind of just seemed like a bunch of people that it kind of seemed like the only people that showed up. And I think we had this conversation where the only people who showed up were, the ones that were struggling and didn't, and, you know, were there kind of looking for help. And the, mm-hmm. the guys that were there were not the guys that were doing well. It wasn't the the restaurants in, in town that were raking in, you know, $20 million. It wasn't, it wasn't the successful businesses that were actually there. So it ended up kind of being a room full of people that really don't know what the hell they're doing. And they're all just kind of staring at each other, hoping that someone's going to say something that's just going to like be an epiphany in somebody else's head. And the reality is we're, we were all just kind of sitting on our thumbs going, do, 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 do. I'm like, nothing ever really came of it. But that's why, you know, like I said, like we talked about this, like I've been a part of a couple other entrepreneur groups, like on Facebook and stuff. And it's really just a, you know, it's, it's like, um, how did I put it? It's like a headhunters workshop. Like they're in there just like, who can get the best deal? Who can give me the best deal? It's not, Mm -hmm. there's no camaraderie. There's no brotherhood. There's no family style like atmosphere where people are actually trying to learn and get to know each other it's literally just about like you know making money who can i hustle to do this who can i hustle to do that and it's you know it, i want I, and that's honestly what i that's why it took me so long to join arte because i thought mm-hmm. it was going to be the same way and very quickly i realized holy crap like that's not what this is at all like, this is actually no. a group of amazing people that actually care and want to help each other and that's you know, it's been pretty awesome. And, you know, you've definitely been a part of that. And it's, uh, <clears throat> I'm excited, you know, to see what the future holds, you know, for Viking Coffee Company. So what I want to talk to you about now is your core value. Yeah. So I got your core value card in front of me. And it's probably one of the coolest things that a company can do, in my opinion, is to hold themselves accountable by putting this card in every single order. And what's important mm-hmm. about that is not enough people do this. Okay, like, very few companies will actually hold themselves accountable by providing something like this. Because at the end of the day, if you screw up, somebody's going to look at this card and go, oh, I'm holding them to that. And I'm going to call them right now, or I'm going to email them and I'm going to give them hell. And, you know, and, and what they're expecting, to be honest, is they're expecting combativeness. They're expecting to call you about an issue and they're expecting you to not abide by these core values so they can then go on Facebook and give you a bad rating or tell people you suck or whatever else. But when you abide by these core values and they're surprised at the reaction, that's when you make a lifelong customer. And that's really cool Mm -hmm. because most people don't do this. So tell me how you came up with your core values and what made you make that decision to include this in every order. Yeah. So yeah, I initially I had before Arte, I I mean, all those core values, these were things I believed, things that, you know, were were in my head. Now, could I have defined them if you'd asked me? Absolutely not. Like I would have probably would have taken me an hour to like 
express what these were. Right. And then kind of how those came to be in the 80s through string conditioning, we, you know, we kind of had our own like set of values, core values, if you will, but they weren't really um, it, it expressed or written somewhere where, you know, people could easily read them. But, you know, I always kind of knew, you know, one, and this is one of the things that kind of, I guess, disciplined me to this was when I was an intern, it was the intern's job to clean the weight room, like everything, like right. when we were cleaning, had to look fucking spotless. And the thing gotcha. that we already said was the weight room, the weight facility needs to look clean every day. And it needs to mm -hmm. look clean every day because any day the president of the university could walk in here and see it. And if they see like, oh, wow, these guys care about this place. They, they actually care about the job and their athletes and, and the school. Let's help them out. Let's give them a little bit more funding so they can get better equipment. On the flip side of that, if they walk in, they see it's trashy, shit everywhere, it's dirty. They're like, well, these guys don't really give, don't really give a fuck. Whatever. Right. Well, see ya, you know. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, strength conditioning department ain't going to get what they need. So stuff like that, like, you know, discipline, you know, going above and beyond, like <laughs> wiping down the wiping down the neck machine top to bottom. Like it's not really like top priority because there's like tuck right. in the back, you know, if you don't look at it, but like it's a part of it, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like you don't want, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So like if, if you skimp on like wipe down the neck machine that's in the back corner where there really isn't a whole lot of light. Well, then guess what? You're going to skimp on a lot of other shit in your life too. And that's so like true. that stuff kind of, you know, got ingrained in me through that. And there's stuff I believed in, but I wasn't able to explain it until Arte. We had a Arte call that kind of went into core values, why you need them, why you should define them and why you should be telling people about them. And after that lesson, I'm like, fuck, I'm like, I need to do this. I'm like, I need to do this because we've got a real small loyal customer base. I'm like, but if I want to be able to do like, you know, some crazy shit, I need to have this so we can have pretty much turn our customers into, you know, spokespersons for our brand. Because mm -hmm. if we don't give them a reason to like get behind us and walk alongside us, then they're not really going to tell people about us. Mm -hmm. So kind of how I came up with them is I went through, um, several well not several like three of my favorite like companies i look to look up to first form being one of them uh the other one being sornex uh another one's flag nor fail i think i think i checked out like black rifle because i love i love the stuff that they do i don't care if, yeah for you know, quote-unquote competition i fucking love their hey shit. competition is a good thing absolutely oh yeah mm -hmm. um but yeah i just so it's I collaboration oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I just went through and read all their core values and just kind of got a better understanding. Okay. Like which ones do I agree with? And I, I pretty much just took like the, the main points like loyalty. We, by example, go the extra mile, that stuff and wrote them all down. I'm like, okay, I have to define them. I have to define them in my own words. I can't, you know, I can't copy paste from their websites or their whatever. Right. Like that's not me. So I took him and I defined him in my own words, how, how I would say it, how I would explain it to like, you know, and I pictured myself explaining these, like if we had, you know, all the freshmen who came in for football in July, I literally took it as if I have to explain these core values to these freshmen and have them understand of, you know, what their expectations are when they are here. 
Right. And I just kind of defined them in my own words. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, had them written out, written them, written them out by hand. And then I put them on a word document, refined them just a little bit more just to make them simpler, clear. And then I just put them up on the website, told a bunch of people about them. And then I'd gotten, I placed an order with um, a company called Earn Your Booze last year. Okay. And they're the ones who, um, you probably seen like the legalized lifting shirts. Oh yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They make those. So oh. I'd gotten, I'd gotten my shirt cause I had ordered one. Cause I'm like, it's a fucking awesome shirt. I want that. Mm-hmm. And in it was like this whole order card, you, you know, I had like someone had like thrown a beer. So I had like, you know, I don't know, beer splatter on it, I guess. Right. I had like their logo and then on the back told a little bit about the brand. I'm like, this is kind of cool. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I'm like, why the fuck don't I do this? Right. So, you know, I, I kind of did it my own way, like coffee beans, took a picture of it and put like our logo on it, a little like scan me to take them to a QR code. So like it goes to like a video of me explaining a little bit who we are. Then on the back, I just I'm like, no, I'll put our core values and why we have core values. I put that on there because I'm like, well, if I want to tell people a great way to tell people is just put the card in their order right. and started doing that. And I am like, genuinely amazed at like how many people keep those like i've yeah. gotten so many pictures of people who was just like hey man you know put this on my fridge i look at it every morning or um i have one customer he's a firefighter he's like man he's like every order that i've gotten from you he's like i save these and it's like i just pass them out to you know people who are on you know or like our crew like younger firefighters they just pass them out and like core values are like sticking in the locker or something I'm like That's really awesome. i'm like yeah. i'm like really like this is fucking like it's marketing material, but like, dude, really? Yeah, like, it's fucking awesome. So, yeah. like, when I started getting messages like that from customers, I'm like, okay, like this is something like really, really fucking important, and that has just only reinforced, you know, you know why, you know, core values need to be a thing. Why, you know, every company, in my opinion, should have them. Not really every company, just every like organization, regardless of what the fuck they are. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Very yeah, cool. it's kind of kind of how I got them together. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's awesome, dude. And that's exactly right because at the end of the day, when what's cool about that too is that gives something like for. Remember, we spoke a little bit about affiliate programs and like ambassador programs. And when you get to the point where you start, you know, having ambassadors for the brand and stuff like that, this is a beautiful way for people to pass on you know, your brand information and the fact that it has that giant QR code that goes right to the website mm-hmm. on one side and then has the core values on the other. It's, it's a marketing piece, but in the same respect, it is, it shows a respectful company that cares about the customer and that is willing to put themselves out there. Cause like I said, do people don't put core that people don't hold themselves accountable. Companies don't hold themselves accountable for the most part. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to, you're not going to order from, you know, Target or Amazon even, or any of these big companies and get a box in the mail with a card in it that says, these are our core values. This is what we promise you every time, yeah. you know, they think some, they don't give a shit because they're just want your money. At the end yeah. of the day, it doesn't matter who's going to be held accountable for what, but when, they, but when a company takes a step, no matter how big or how small to do something like this, it really shows that they give a shit that they care. And mm-hmm. then they're willing and able to, uh, handle any situation that arises because we all know man you work direct to consumer you work e-commerce 
dude, packages get fucked up. Stuff happens all the time. You know, a friggin' mailman will drop a package out the back of his truck and run it the fuck over. And you end up with a customer that gets a half torn and half bag with half of one coffee in one bag and half in the other. And even though we mm-hmm. know that's not our fault, how you handle it and how you make the customer feel in the situation is what's most important. And a lot of companies nowadays would just be like, well, that's not our fault. But yeah. with you, it's a, you know, and with a company that cares, it's like, well, look, we're going to go ahead and take care of that for you. We'll get another package out to you right away. I'll even expedite it to you and make sure you have it, you know, in two days versus the five days that was your original order. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so sorry that that happened, but we're definitely going to take care of it. And then, and then, and the, a, a come, a, a great company tosses a, a you know a couple free samples in there and doesn't say anything and just sends it out extra hoping that they open it and go oh wow not only did they fix it but they taught gave me a couple freebies as well next thing you know they're online talking about how great you are and how wonderful you handled the situation and on the back end is it a pain in the ass for us as a company because now we got to call usps and file a claim on the package to try to get our money mm-hmm. back of course it is but now you made it now you made a customer for life that's what oh, dude. too many companies don't understand that. You yeah. Know? And I, I have come to love those. Like whenever yeah. you get an email of like, say, Hey, we've, we've had three of these in the last like two weeks happen. Like, Hey, you know, we haven't, you know, I placed an order on this date. still hasn't arrived. Um, there's a gentleman down in, in Florida. He placed an order the 26th of April. Still hasn't gotten it. Hasn't shown up. Like it literally left Traverse city. And then it's just like, I don't know. In Narnia just disappeared, somewhere. right? Yeah. Aliens, aliens abducted it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Nah, so crazy. he had he had messaged me like a week later, and you know, hey, hasn't shown up yet. I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm like, well, I got him two bags of what he ordered, and I just sent it via UPS. Like he didn't ask me to do that. He was just let me know, send it out to him, and it arrived. And I'm like told him, hey, you know, this should hold you over for at least another week or two. You know, I'll keep an eye on it. And if it shows up, great. If not, then, you know, I'll straighten it out. Right. And uh, Monday, check. Still hadn't shown up. So, like, I just put him together a whole new box of what he ordered. Like, and here's how I look at it. Like, he he ordered a lot. He ordered four bags. I'm like, and I had sent him two already. Right. I'm like, well, I, I could just send him another two bags. And, you know, he'd be square is what it is. Um. I'm just like, no, I'll just send his order. Like, right. that's what he ordered. That's what he paid for. Like, Absolutely. the other two bags were just, you know, hold them over until his, you know, right, his actual order got there. Yeah. So I just sent on out. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, he, and he's been with us for four years. He's our most loyal customer. But wow. like, I'm still going to do that for someone who's like brand new, like, um, kid down in uh, Bowling Green, strangely enough. Like, his order got lost three different times. Jesus. So, USPS said his address didn't exist, even though they've delivered to him multiple times. Didn't <laughs> follow up to UPS. They delivered it on the right street, but at the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So we sent it again through UPS. They said his, his address didn't exist. So I'm like, well, what the fuck? Sent it via USPS and it got delivered. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm like, dude, I don't care. I sent him like three bags because like, Every time it was just like a whole nother week. I'm like, dude, fuck. Here you go. Here's three bags. Like, right. I don't know how this keeps happening, but like, he's appreciative of it. We got two more orders from his friends because he told them like what we did, like without right. asking any questions at all. Absolutely. So like, that's why I look forward to that stuff. Cause I'm like, well, here's another opportunity to potentially get another customer. 
Absolutely. Well, it gives you it gives you an opportunity to succeed or fail, essentially. And mm-hmm. that's as simple as it is, because you, you can you can either treat that customer the same way every other company out there would and tell them, oh, well, you know, it's not our problem. Let's wait and see if it shows up. And if it doesn't show up in, you know, 15 days, then we'll go ahead and ship you out another package. Because at the end of the day, that's how most companies would handle yeah. USPS is they're like, oh, well, it's a 15 day window with them. So because you can't file the claim until 15 days after the package has been shipped out. So a lot of companies will hold you to that 15 day claim. And you're, and meanwhile, you're like, you gotta be kidding me, but a good company mm-hmm. will say, look, we're going to get this back out to you. We'll handle the, you know, the back end with the, uh, with the, the shipper and, you know, deal with that. I mean, the, you know, the carrier and we'll deal with that crap. And, you know, it's not fun, man. I've been there. I've been mm-hmm. in the customer service oh, team yeah. where I had to cut, I was the one sending in the, the, um, you know, the, the claims on all the packages. And when you work for a company that's sending out 700 orders a day, you can imagine yeah. the Friday claim sheets were, I mean, hundred and sometimes 120, 130 orders that I'm, and not, and we're not talking about USPS. We're talking about USPS, UPS, FedEx, DHL. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we used to ship international. So you're getting orders. I mean, I laughed one time, dude, at a, we, um, we did a claim on an order that went to Germany and the customer swore he never got it. And, uh, you know, we ended up, we did end up getting paid back for it. And the customer uh, ordered again and got his stuff and everything was fine. A year mm-hmm. later, that order showed up, returned to the office. A year later. I was <laughs> like, wow. I, obviously, it sat in customs somewhere in Germany for like, yeah. you know, and they were like spring cleaning the back corner of the warehouse. And they were like, holy shit, there what the hell was. is this package? It was oh, crazy. Dude, so. dude we... But I, I, I've been sending out gifts to like all of our loyal customers and like we've been doing like like two every day pretty much and this right was back in february when we didn't have a roaster up so i'd like i had roasted like a shit ton of coffee prior to leaving our old shop and we had it when we got moved in a new place up here i'm like well not really a whole lot of orders rolling in because people think we're down so i'm like i'm just gonna bag stuff up and send it out to like you know all of our loyal customers as gifts just get rid of it so it doesn't go bad and last Last week, I got a, a message from one of our, our customers, one of our coffee club members. He's like, hey, he's like, I'm not sure how, like, when I ordered this or if I ordered this. He's like, but this just showed up on my doorstep. And it was uh, a bag of old man strength. This is his favorite. It's what he gets mm-hmm. every time. And it was, like, beaten as shit. Like, there was, like, several tears in it. It looked dirty. Like, you couldn't even tell what the fuck the, the shipping label said. So, I don't even know right. how they managed to deliver it to him. Wow. But I, I zoomed in enough and I can make out a date on it. It was from, I think it was like February 27th. It was like Holy the date crap. the label was created and it just showed up in May. And he's wow. in California. That's crazy. Dude. <laughs> like, was the co- was the coffee any good inside? Gosh, probably, probably not because it was ground. No. I mean, yeah. I would still drink it because, I mean, hey, you free coffee. But That's was huge, it, yeah. you know. Full of yeah. flavor, probably not. Right, that's wild, dude. But hey, the uh, we just hit an hour, so mm-hmm. I uh, I don't want to keep you for too long because I know you don't. You have a lot of other stuff to do. But real quick before we go, yeah. let's roll. Let's roll with the final with the vision, man. We talked about the future for Viking Coffee Company, and I want you to take me through just quick five minutes of what you envision for Viking Coffee mm-hmm. Company you know, in the future and kind of give the listeners an idea of what we can, you know, uh, what we can expect from Evan Armstrong and Viking Mm -hmm. Coffee Company in the future. 
Yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll try to keep five minutes. I mean, no, <laughs> you're good. You, hey, like, you got time. I'm fine. Okay, I got time. Cool. So. cool. Yeah, because there's been a lot of stuff that I've added in the last like week that I've just kind of hey, discovered. You go. So <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so I think when when I last talked with you, it was like it was like 20 acres is what I had I had planned on purchasing here. Well, that's expanded now to 300. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> yeah. Searching on the old search on the old internet, I found a 300 acre plot of land, uh, um, literally just south of town. I'm like, okay, like I don't really know how much 300 acres is. So I literally, what I did is I took a screenshot of a, a, like a football field on Google maps mm-hmm. and then the actual like property on Google maps and made sure it's the same scale. Some people think this is a waste of time, but like to me, it helps me understand like the, the breadth of the property. Absolutely. Because my uh, employee, so I told him about the, about the place and he just like looked it up. He's like, well, the first result, and he's like, this is the most American thing I've, I've ever read was. 330 acres is approximately 226 football fields. Wow. Because, you know, Americans, they can never, you know, measure anything in, you know, <laughs> standard like yeah. measurements. Either like, hey, yeah, yeah. This is equal equivalent to like six Sasquatches. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. But yeah, I did that. And I'm like, I looked at it. I'm like, holy fuck, it's huge. Yeah. So change to 300 acres. And on that 300 acres, we're going to have our main facility, which is going to host our cafe. And, you know, I'm thinking modern, like farm style, pole barn, everything is insulated, clean white tin inside and out, skylights, polished concrete floors. It's going to look beautiful. Absolutely. And in the center of the cafe, we're going to have our big um, axe and portafilter logo. Gonna, and I'm like picturing like, um, like lava rock. Like that Ooh. color, that color oh, yeah. is going to be like the logo. And this is something I kind of like stole from like when we were not really sold, but like kind of took from when I worked as a strength coach, our logo, we, it was called the, the peekaboo. I, I don't necessarily know why it was called that, but it was. Mm-hmm. And the rule was like wherever like the peekaboo was like in, in the weight facility, like if you stepped on it, you had to drop down and give 20 pushups. Like you weren't allowed to step on the peekaboo. Ah, oh, gotcha. I mean, like same thing. Like in this facility, like you step on the export filter logo, you're gonna have to, you're gonna owe us some push-ups. So this is just something I want to end there because I think it's fun. But yeah, we're gonna have a 40-foot bar in the cafe, and that's gonna be like the first thing you see when you walk in. And then when you walk in, can you kind of expose like the whole atmosphere of it? We're gonna have 40-foot ceiling, so you're gonna have all kinds of daylight, tons of natural lighting in there, um, some old kind of like reclaimed wood from like farms beam spanning across because we're gonna have like an upper deck catwalk kind of kind of thing cool you're gonna have tons of greenery hanging from there like i want it to be a happy positive like welcoming environment people want to hang out in for hours Hell yeah yep <clears throat> and behind that bar you're gonna see you're literally gonna see our roasting facility because we're gonna have floor to ceiling windows whole length of the bar so you're literally going to see everything that's going on in the roasting facility look to your wow. left you're going to see like all fucking five of our you know our, our 75 pound san franciscan roasters yeah. you know all the all the packing tables for all the orders that are you know getting kind of shoved down the line getting packed you know all the bagging net and way fillers the sinks all the people you know it's going to be like a busy hive you're going to see everything yeah see you're going to see all the powder racks with all the coffee 
and then on the very back wall, um, just kind of like how you see in Andy's stories all the time at first form, you're going to see huge American flag in the back. Oh, you're yeah. going to be able to see all of that from the cafe. Mm-hmm. And picturing like 80,000 square feet for the just, just the roasting facility. Right. So this is going to be fucking huge. And then in the back, we're going to have our offices that have kind of what I would call like the lab, the coffee lab, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all like any anything and everything coffee related or coffee toy related is going to be in there. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to use it for like meetings, trainings, whether it has to do with coffee or not. It's just going to be kind of like a cool environment that it's not going to be boring for people. I want to keep right. it entertaining. Gotcha. Everything's going to be open. I love natural light. I love plants. So more natural light I can get, the better. So awesome. all the offices are just going to have like one wall. It's going to be like one huge window. It's going to be a bitch to clean, but yep. it's worth it. <laughs> yep. And we're going to have a secondary building to that. It's going to host our print shop. So we're going to do all our own apparel and house, hats, shirts, anything like that. And then a 15,000 square foot weight facility. It's going to be comparable to like a D1 or professional, you know, level weight facility. Hell yeah. It's going to be outfitted with Sornex because made in America. There you go. And dude, it like same thing, like same thing, how we treated our weight facility when I was a strength coach, like everything is going to look fucking immaculate every day. Mm -hmm. It's going to be beautiful. And I was just thinking about this, this morning, actually, I want to put a, kind of like a nutrition station in there you're gonna be like offer coffee um gonna offer some kind of like snacks foods protein bars shit like that mm-hmm. and i just want to make it like just a, a great environment like come in for a workout you can get like a free shake and like a bar like on the house pretty much right and that's gonna be our third building our fourth building we're gonna have a brewery because i was i was uh i got a whiskey barrel from a local distillery here oh, they had expressed me a problem that they're having is <laughs> mm-hmm. getting like cold brew concentrate and i found out the volume that they're that they needed at which is 100 gallons I'm like holy shit it's a wow. lot like yeah. i don't have i don't have the capacity to do that like i have the capacity to do like 10 gallons but not 100 right. so i looked into like companies that are doing that and what else you can do with cold brew and, and nitro cold brew and all this other shit and like mm-hmm. turns out there's a huge demand for it and uh, places that have a, a big food culture. So right. I found out from a buddy of mine, their business is in Columbus and 60% of their business is cold brew, nitro cold brew and supplying that to like local restaurants, cafes and bars. That's and awesome. We have a huge food culture up here in Traverse City and mm. there is no one doing or catering to restaurants and bars with cold brew and nitro cold brew and shit like that. I'm like, wow there is a fucking huge opportunity here. So we're going to have a brewery because like you, I love beer. So I'm like, I think it'd be fun to fuck around and make some beer and do cold brew and do our own little Viking brewing company. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Dude, that would be awesome for sure. But yeah, I want to, you know, car shop on there, you know, I have a kind of a, a dream of having a car shop and like the main business will be like, we're going to get like, you know, the, Toyota Tacomas and Forerunners and shit, build them out for like overlanding because the UP mm-hmm. that's big in the UP. So if people want to rent one here, drive it up the UP. That's right. something they can do. But like, I also want it because I love cars, and oh, yeah. I grew up watching Dukes of Hazard. My cousin Jason introduced it to me because that's the show he grew up watching. 
And when he introduced <laughs> me, it was like love at first sight. So I'm like, right. that's fucking awesome. And like one of my dreams with a car is to, is to get a 69 Charger. And the only thing that's going to be original on that car is the body. Like right. I want to modernize everything else. Like in, I don't know if this is possible, but like I almost want to make like a, like a pre-runner suspension for this car just in case if I want to just go rip around dirt roads like they did in the show, I'm not going to fuck. Oh, hell car. yeah. <laughs> that's definitely possible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Modern technology yeah. is awesome. <laughs> hell yeah, dude. That but, is wild. Yeah. It's going to be like, kind of how I describe it is, yeah, the Viking Ranch is going to be in the land of free in America, but there's just going to be a shit ton of freedom on this one specific plot of property because there's gonna be just, so much shit you can do and experience yeah. and, and, and play with and, and learn from and just have fun whether it's hanging out with family and friends you know buy a fire drinking beer and coffee or if you want to come rent a you know an overlanding rig and go create memories elsewhere in the state right something i want to do is just be able to create an awesome welcoming and positive culture in this place so that when people come here who are from Florida, Texas, Oregon, Kansas, that they experience it, they interact with their staff, myself, with whomever, and they then take that same culture that they were impacted with here, and then they take it back to wherever the hell they live and, and introduce it to people who don't even know who we are. Right. It's kind of like my ultimate goal at this place is to be able to, to impact the culture of America whether that's on a small scale or a huge scale in some way, shape or form, it's going to fucking get done. Hell but yeah. I want to be able to do that through here. Dude, that's incredible. And I can think about like, I had a, I had a, a friend of our family in Texas that had a 1400 mm -hmm. square foot ranch. And dude, I don't think we ever saw all of it. And I don't think we ever saw 300 square miles of it. So <laughs> to think about 330 square miles as a ranch, I mean, that's like so much space to do, I mean, I mean, anything you could possibly imagine. I mean, I, that's just, wow. That is uh, endless, endless incredible. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, you guys can think of like so many things that you could do that could all be encapsulated under the same roof. I mean, shooting ranges and, you know, mm -hmm. bow, like, I mean, a bow, both uh, bow range, a uh, gun range, a uh, friggin' paintball course. I mean, there's all kinds of shit that you could do that you could, oh, yeah. that would be all like encapsulated within your brand, but all part and part of like your, what would it be? Like your estate. You know what I mean? Like the Viking Coffee Company estate. You know what I mean? And we have, mm -hmm. I mean, even even like a, a, if you, I mean, let's not say if, I mean, man, you get to a point you could do a, a resort, you know, on the property where people come <laughs> stay there. And, you know, like, I always thought like, have you heard, I'm sure you've heard of BrewDog, the BrewDog hotels. Yeah. You're in, you're, yeah. Mm -hmm. When they came out, when they, I'll be honest, when they came out with that, my first thought was, what the fuck? Like, I was like, ah, that sounds kind of stupid. And then when I actually looked into it and saw like what they were doing and how they were yeah. doing it, I was like, all right, that's pretty freaking cool. Like I could, and now they're opening one in Vegas and I'm like, that's nuts. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I'm like, it's just crazy to me that, that they, they've done that well, that they're able to, to do that. And yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, think about it, dude, if you, what's the best way to get people to stay at a brewery and drink more beer, let them sleep there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, was, you know, I mean come on yeah i mean that's you know the what the scariest part about like having a, a bar or a brewery or anything like that is when people leave you know because mm -hmm. you don't know what car they're getting into or how they're getting yeah. home or whatever and 
So the best, I mean, dude, that's, there's nothing better than them just going upstairs and knocking out in your brewery. You know what I mean? And I think, uh, I'm just, that's just one random thought, but you know, but what you mm-hmm. got in mind is, I mean, I can see, it, you know what I mean? Like I can stand, I'm standing there with you right now, looking around going, good job, brother. Like you did, it. you know, like to me, I just, I feel like we're, I feel like you're a lot closer than you think you are. And I know you're looking around in that room that you're in right now and you're going mm-hmm. and in your head, some days you probably tell yourself, man, I got a long way to go, but just stay positive and keep working on it, man, because you oh, have yeah. built, you have built something that most large companies in the world just can't grasp. You have between the quality of your product and the way you treat your customers and the ability of you for you to hold yourself accountable to each and every one of those people and do it, you know, with professionalism and poise and grace and just have, you know, the, the attitude and the mindset that you do of building something unforgettable, dude, it's going to happen a lot faster than I think you realize. So. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. you're, you're not the first person to tell me that in the last like week or so. There's a, a gentleman that I got introduced up here. He's younger than I am. He's fucking kicking ass. And I got introduced to him from a member of Arte. He said like the same thing. Like he stopped by here a couple of Fridays ago, literally told me like what he did as far as like, just like locally going around knocking on doors to like grow his business. And he was telling me, he's right. like, dude, I did this, walked in all these businesses, like went to like three church services a day just to meet people. And <laughs> he's like, I've got more business than I can even fucking handle right now. He's yeah. like, you keep doing that. He's like, you're going to get to Pike and Ranch way fucking sooner than what you think. And Absolutely. like, I always, Absolutely. I always think like the same thing. I don't necessarily think I try to consistently remind myself of this because Andy said it. In one of our calls is like, had he not put like a 10 year limit on like where he got, he's like, he thinks I, he could have been there a lot sooner than what he initially thought. Right. He's like, but just like given his like limitations or what he thought were his limitations at the time, he thought, oh, 10 years, that's when we're going to get to where we are. Right. And I always try to remember that and, and tell myself that every day. It's because kind of like we were talking about earlier on about the goals that I've kind of exceeded. Like, I didn't think I was going to hire an employee for like another five years. Yeah. And I did yeah. it in a year. Yeah. So it's just like, I have to constantly remind myself, I'm like, dude, you can fucking, if you want to do this in a year, you can make a fucking app. Oh yeah. Like the, the thought of that is like is is scary. Because yep. like I don't know how like I would fucking manage to figure that out, but I know I would. And it's also too would. like yep. if I start to tell people like, hey, I'm gonna do this in a year, then that's a fucking ton of pressure you put on yourself. Oh, yeah. And that's like I'm gonna be honest, that's scary. Oh, of course it's scary. Dude, success in and of itself is scary because we look mm-hmm. at you know it, you know and it's scary for one reason the possibility of failure yeah. you know, because you look at, you look at the ability to be successful, but it's also encapsulated by the ability to fail. And at the end of the day, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with setting a year goal for yourself and not reaching that goal. As long as you keep moving mm-hmm. forward, as long as you don't yeah. allow that goal, as long as you don't allow that failure, so to speak, to stop you from moving forward. And I think that's, you know, realistic goals are always important, but they're not always realistic either. 
You know what I mean? Because we look mm-hmm. at, you know, we can look at something and say, I can do this in a year, I can do it in five, or I can do it in 10. And you know how long it takes? It takes as long as it fucking takes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and that's the truth. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's not always going to happen as quickly or as, or as, or in the length, like Andy said, like in the length of time, like he believes that he could have done it faster, you know, and, and I'm, I'm definitely a firm believer in short-term goals because not that I don't have long-term goals as well and things that, but I think short-term goals are more realistic because I think you have a better chance of controlling the outcome in the best way we possibly can versus saying like, like, like Andy said, Oh, I'm going to be there in 10 years. Well, fuck 10 years. I want to be there in two years. I want to be there in one year. I want to be there in Mm -hmm. five years. You know what I mean? And that's, there are, there are lots of stories of people going from one room to us, to a high rise in, you know, in a year, six months, 18 months, two years, you know, shit like that. And that's the, you know, there's nothing holding up. The only thing that's holding you back is yourself. And at the yeah. end of the day, it's it's the collaborations that you build up. It's the partnerships you make. It's the people that you, it's the people, what's going to help you grow even faster than you believe is the people you touch. The more mm-hmm. people you touch, the more people are excited about your brand, the more people believe in you, that's how you're going to move forward. Because, of, you know, I mean, one of the things like with me personally, it's always been finances, you know, it's finding the right investor, finding the right person to come forward and believe in me enough to say, here's 500 grand, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I believe that you can do something with it. And you find people like that by doing exactly what you're doing right now, by, by running a fantastic business, by treating people the right way and by building, by believing in this sheet right here that says core value. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a funny story real quick before we get the hell out of here. Yeah. I was a, I was a service advisor at AutoNation right after I closed down my shop. I literally went from being the boss to being the bitch. I mean, I was mm-hmm. went to the bottom of the ladder like right away. And I remember one day um, I had a gentleman named Bernie, and I still, you know, I still remember uh, the conversation. He had a he had a, a dually diesel Dodge pickup, brand new, he was coming in for his first oil change. Or no, actually, he wasn't his first oil change. He had, I think he had like 40 or 50,000 miles and was out of warranty. But we start talking about oil and viscosity and, you know, the importance of this and the importance of that. And I and, and he's asking me questions and I'm just breaking it down the way I know it. I'm telling him, you know, he's mm-hmm. like, well, what's this about? And I'm like, well, that's the heat range. And well, what's the what's the weight? Well, the weight is the viscosity and actually the thickness of the oil. And I'm breaking it down and I'm telling him and I'm giving him my opinions. You know, I'm like on, I'm like in a diesel engine. This is what I believe you should run. This is what I would run. You know what I mean? And, and uh, he walked outside after they took his truck back and his wife was coming to pick him up. And he's like, when I get back to pick up my truck, I need five minutes of your time. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, no problem, whatever. And, uh, you know, sent him on his way, gave my business card, shook his hand, thanked him. And his wife picked him up and he took off and he came back. And there was something about this guy that stuck out to me. He was just a normal old guy. Didn't, you know, I mean, he, it's not like he was driving a Viper or was not like, you know, mm-hmm. he was wearing a $25,000 suit, nothing like that. And, but when his truck got, when his truck pulled up, I, I was, I was always so used to be um, returning my customer's cars back to them pristine 
from mm-hmm. having my own shop that even as a service advisor at AutoNation, anytime I knew that one of my customers' cars was coming up, I'd go out there with a rag in my hand and I'd wipe off the, you know, the door panels and the windows because technicians have a tendency to leave fingerprints on the door panel or fingerprints on the door mm-hmm. handle on the outside of the car, you know, whatever, like little things like that. But I'd always make, I'd go out there and I'd wipe those things off and make sure I take the paper out of the car, you know, the paper mats and stuff that they leave in there to make sure that the car was ready for the, for the customer. And I did exactly that to his truck. You know, I wiped it down. I took the paper. And as he's walking up, he saw me doing that. And he's like, wow. And I'm like, what do you mean? What? What's wow? And he's like, he's like, come sit with me for a minute. I'm like, okay. So he comes in my office and we talk a little bit. And he was, he basically just goes on to tell me, he's like, Luke, I've been bringing my vehicles to this dealership for 10 years. He -hmm. goes, I've never, he goes, every single time I've ever brought my car here, when I picked up, there's been fingerprints on the door the little sign that says my number is still hanging from the rearview mirror, which is always a pain in the ass. The plastic's still on my steering wheel. The the little, you know, paper mats are still on the floor, which is now left to me as the customer to clean that shit out of my car. And the fact mm-hmm. that you just did that just proved something to me. He's like, and the funny thing is, is Andy says this a lot, but this guy actually said this to me. He's like, you are, you're the type of person that always takes your cart back and re- returns it at the grocery, at the grocery store, aren't you? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and he laughed and he was like, I knew it. And we proceeded to have a conversation where he told me, he's like, I want you to think about any business you want to do, any business at all. He's like, and I'll be behind you. He's like, I know mm-hmm. why. He's like, for meeting you for five minutes, I can tell right now that I could put you anywhere and you would be successful. He's like, and in doing so, I would really like to partner up with you and work with you on something. And I would appreciate you to give me that opportunity if you would just think about what you want to do and let me know. And he gave me his business card and he actually owns a a horticultural company that designs and I guess does all the like public array, um, basically all the public, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like floral displays and stuff along the highways. Yeah. So like entire 95, you know, entire 75 here in Florida, every, every bunch of bushes you see on the side of the road or trees or whatever, his company is a company that actually does that, that architecturally Mm -hmm. lays that out and then goes and plants the trees and does all that stuff. And the, you know, the, the grass plots and everything else you can possibly imagine. And I was like, wow, like that's just, that's I never cool. even thought, I always thought that that was like the city that did that. Like I never yeah. realized that it was a private company. He's like, no, yeah, it's all private. Like we, you know, bid obviously for the job and, and we do every, every major public interstate in Florida we do. And I was like, wow, man, that's cool. incredible. And I never got the chance to work with him because six months later he passed away. And mm-hmm. uh, he, but we spoke many, many times about ideas and things that I wanted to do and at the time I was really focused on wanting to open a gym I was younger and Mm -hmm. you know I was had I just really started getting back into lifting and training and he didn't want me to do a gym because he was afraid that it wasn't going to be profitable enough he wanted me to think bigger and think of something you know that really was gonna you know um, not only make him money of course because if he was going to come in and be an investor with me but also was going to make me money you know, he's like, I want you to think bigger. I want you to think in five, I want you to think about you being a millionaire five years from now. He's like, and I don't think a gym is going to get you there. You know, he just didn't see that that was a big enough, uh, that there was enough, you know, there was enough potential there for it to really be uh, that kind of a business. But I'll never forget that conversation because it was, it's not the first time that I've been called out or told that I was, that I, that I stood above in certain situations compared to other people. 
Um, mm -hmm. But it was the but it was probably the most impactful moment in my life because it made me realize that no matter what I was doing, no matter where I was, that I was better than that. And you know, and, and better than that doesn't. I'm, and I'm not saying better than other people or better than anything else, but it means you know if I was having a shitty day and I was at the grocery store and I decided and I'm walking with the cart and I can shove it up on the, on the coldest, on the little grassy thing there and leave it there. I look back at the damn cart and think of Bernie and I go, fuck. And I go and get it. And I take it back. You know what I mean? Like that's just, oh, yeah, that moment was so impactful in my life that I, I, I'm just to this day, I hear his voice and I tell myself, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. You mm -hmm. just got to put your mind to it and make it happen. And Evan, dude, you can fucking do anything you want to do. You just got to put your mind to it and make it happen. And I say that with the utmost respect and with, you know, joy in my heart because I see it, brother. I see, you know, where you're, where you're going. I see what you're going to accomplish. And I believe in it a million percent. And I know you do too. And that's, if you didn't, it's something as simple as this card, this card right mm -hmm. here that says core values on it, that makes all the difference, it makes all the difference because you put yourself out there and you take responsibility and you own it. And that's not a common theme in today's world, my brother. Not a common theme at all. Not at all. Mm -hmm. Nope. So, I agree with that. There's a lot that can change with that. <laughs> absolutely, dude. Yeah, well, Evan, we're at an hour and a half, man. I actually do have another podcast at 6 o'clock, so I'm going to get off here and right on. take a shower and get something to eat. But, dude, you uh, – I appreciate you. Thank you so much for yeah. coming on the show. I can't wait to get this episode live. We'll post it out there next Wednesday so people can uh, tune in next Wednesday and listen to it. And uh, brother, I will talk to you again soon. And uh, oh, yeah. have an awesome weekend. Yeah, you as well. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. I can't wait for my old man strength and my uh, morning raid to get here because I'm I'm looking forward. Everybody's buying the old man the old man one, so. I'm mm -hmm. anxious to try that one because I've seen like a lot of the Arte guys have been posting about that one. So I can't wait to try it. But so far yeah. I'm, I'm loving the coffee, my brother. Hell yeah, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Take it easy, bud. Yes, sir. You as well. Later.